2 Timothy 2, 3 says, Endure suffering along with me, Paul says, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. I feel like the Lord wants to say to some folks today that some of your ranks are about to go higher. You're about to go to the next rank. You're no longer going to be in the private first class. That you're moving up in rank. Spiritually. Spiritual authority. You're moving up in rank. Some of the trenches that you fought in. Some of the battles that you've faced. God says were preparation to train you and equip you for the next level. You were never always made to stay down at the low level. God says you were always, I've made you to always climb and go from glory to glory in me. That he says ranks are about to change. And with rank changing and going to a higher level of authority, that means you're going to have a greater sense of faith, a greater awareness of faith, and a greater awareness of the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. That you're not going to, you're going to start to find yourself not putting up with the mess that keeps entangling your feet, with the things of this civilian life that keeps trapping you and tripping you and containing you and getting you to think, man, I just don't think I can go forward. I don't think I can find any traction. I don't think I can climb anymore. God says you're no longer going to be bound by those things because your eyes, your spiritual eyes are being opened to be able to see who you really are in Christ, that you're not made to live down here in the trenches. You were made to live up here and soar high like the eagles close to God. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and you will not faint. That you will no longer be tripped up as you accept your new rank and position. I'm going to ask you to lift your hands to the Lord in a place of reception if that speaks to your heart today. God is assigning some new marching orders. that you'll begin to find your feet marching to a different rhythm. That the rhythm you've been marching to and walking by has gotten you to this place. And now, God says, I'm sounding a new alarm. I'm sounding a new alarm. I'm giving you a new sound to march by. So don't entertain, don't allow your thoughts to be entertained by how you used to march, how you used to walk, how the pace that you used to travel. And with the mindset that you once had, God says, no, things are shifting, things are changing. Your views, your perspectives, and your thoughts will no longer be at the lower level. God says, you are advancing and going up in rank today. And don't get scared And don't freak out when you're at the new rank and at a new level when things are a little harder. God says, I wouldn't allow you to go there if I didn't think you could handle that and take on that. But there is greatness in you. And you are called upwards, not down. You are called up. Today, oh Lord, I pray 
for all these, all these beautiful saints in your kingdom. Anoint them today with new orders. Commission them with new charges. Command them, O Lord, to move forward and to go higher in rank. May they accept it and walk in it. May they feel the power of your spirit blowing in their life. That it's not by their might, it's not by their power, it's not by their strength, it's not by their wit, it's not by their will, it's not by their doing. This is all by your spirit in them. Seal this word in their heart. Help them to believe and know that you love them, you called them, you created them, you've placed them in this position for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. If you believe that, give God a hand clap of praise and thank him today for speaking to your heart. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Megan, the team, you guys sounded awesome today. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for setting the tone. Um, I, before our, we dismiss our New Life kids, I know they're ready. Are they already gone? Okay, they're still here. I want to make a plug. You all can take a seat. I want to make a plug. Our New Life kids ministry has also gone up in rank. Uh, they, have, um, they, have, they have a new whole brand new curriculum that has been launched. Uh, that launched just a couple of weeks ago. And with that new curriculum, there are new take-home devotionals. Um, And so I want to encourage you moms and dads, or if you brought a a young one that uh, is not your own, but you care for them, um, pay attention to those handouts that are given. Those are not just coloring sheets that you toss away. I want you to pay attention to those. Those are devotionals that are set up for your kids to have, for you as a family to have with your, with your children. They're good talking points, good praying points, good on the, on the drive to school points, good waking up points. There's a QR code on there. You can download the app. It's called the Parent Q app. It's really good to have on your, on your phone. And I just want to make sure you pay attention to that uh, as, as you pick up your child later today and they hand you a paper that you don't just say, oh, cool, and there it goes. Pay attention to it. Take it home. Read it yourself. I was, I've been challenged by those devotionals, okay? At least last two weeks has been about kindness. Wouldn't you know it? I've been tested in being kind. <laughs> and how much more our kids, right? So we're going to dismiss our New Life kids. Thank you for your patience, guys. We appreciate you. And I thank you for all of our New Life kids leaders and teachers and, and servants who, who volunteer all the time to do this thing. All right. Well, welcome this morning. Everybody doing good? I think we've had quite a bit already. Can you handle just a little more? Okay. All right. Well, let me invite you to open up your Bibles to the New Testament to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. As you go there, um, again... Welcome this morning to New Life Church. It's so good to have all of you here uh, with us. Those of you watching online, thank you for tuning in and being with us. Um, Want to encourage you, and we've been talking a lot about prayer this this year so far. Prayer being and uh, really the foundational part of of, of everything. And uh, I want to encourage you to not stop praying, as Jesus taught us to pray and not lose heart. 
and you may have found yourself in resistance over the last few weeks as you've been praying for whatever, praying for someone else, praying for your own self, praying for, for different things in your life. You may have been met with resistance, and I want to encourage you to just push through that, all right, and keep praying. There's going to be some times where you're going to be like, well, I don't really know what to pray today. God, I don't know. I don't have words coming to my mind. Take a moment and sit alone in his presence just for a moment and let the Holy Spirit whisper to you and let him, let him encourage you and, and uh, strengthen you. But don't stop praying. And also, if you've had some suddenly answers to prayer uh, in your life, uh, I want to ask you to take a moment to get some of those thoughts written down and share them with us. Um, uh, we're not going to share them without your permission uh, or maybe an opportunity to come up in the near future for you to be able to publicly give that testimony. And uh, we want you to be able to do that. Uh, but we'd love to hear different ones where God, if you know, man, God suddenly showed up and answered this prayer. He, he came through here. He did this. He did that. Whatever it might be, uh, I want to encourage you to take a few minutes of your day and write those down. And, and if you would, share those with us. We'd love to pray over those with you, celebrate with you and look at how the Lord would open up an opportunity for you to share those testimonies. All right, let's look at our text today. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Religious expert asked this question, Teacher to Jesus, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Would you pray with me today? Lord, thank you so much for your word, your written word, your spoken word. Thank you for speaking to us today. We listen. We're here. We want to receive we want to partake of this bread of life that you have waiting for us. We welcome it into us. Let it do its work in us. And help me, Lord, speak that would bring glory to you and help to your people. In Jesus' name. Everyone can say amen and amen. Our theme for this year is living unstuck. Living unstuck. We've talked through a few different variations over the last few weeks uh, about building good habits and uh, forming new habits that help generate traction, spiritual traction and faith uh, through the New Testament. We looked at the early church in the book of Acts chapter 2 and some of the new habits they had. And uh, in mixing in with those, um, we've been also looking at a few of our core values as, as a church, things that, that we feel like keep us grounded and keep us guided as a congregation as uh, believers, as we make disciples. And today I want to talk to you about a, a, a core value of ours called stewardship guided, being stewardship guided. Now, one of the first things generally that happens in our mind when we hear the word stewardship, some word that maybe pops into mind is finances. I want to take our thoughts, if you will, and travel down this road of stewardship today, that it's not just finances, okay? Stewardship is greater than that. Our value of Stewardship Guided is that we value exercising stewardship over all the different resources of life that God gives us. All right? 
Stewardship, I believe, comes down to this. Trusting God, obeying His Word, and being faithful to Him. So it covers a gamut of things, particularly speaking to our life in general and as a whole. A steward is a person who is responsible for overseeing what's been entrusted unto them. And so God has entrusted unto us, say, that's me. Say, that's me. Come on, everybody, that's me. God has entrusted unto me, unto us, one life. And it begs the question, how will I steward my one life? I've titled today's message, The Dash. The Dash. I heard a story once about a teacher in elementary school who was at the, near the beginning of the school year calling roll and trying to get familiar with, with her different students and their faces and um, where they sat. And she was going through calling attendance and calling names. Everyone knows she was calling and saying, I'm here, I'm present right here, those sorts of things. She came to another name, and she said the name was La-Ah. La-Ah, and nobody was raising their hand. Nobody was saying anything. She got puzzled. She goes, it's spelled L-A-A. She said, who, who is that? And a little girl raised her hand. She goes, that's me. That's La-Dasha. That dash, don't be silent. That dash, don't be silent, is what she said. Friends, There is one dash in all of our lives that matters the most. And that dash is the dash between the moment we're born and the moment we die. And the question is, how will we steward that one dash that we get? God thinks a lot of us to create us to fashion and form us and put breath in our lungs and allow us to live on this earth to steward what has been entrusted unto us, our one life. How will we do it? Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment you can live by your whole life? What's the most important thing you can do with that one dash of your life? And he said, the first and greatest thing you can do is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. Love him with everything within you. And he said, the second greatest thing you can do, it's equal to the first, is to love your neighbor as yourself. What's the greatest and most important thing a person can do with their God-given dash? Steward it for the glory of God. All of it. All of that dash. One of my favorite books in the Old Testament is Joshua. So I'm going to ask you to flip back right after Deuteronomy you find Joshua. One of the things that the book of Joshua, the story of Joshua does is it answers the question, what does it look like to steward our dash well? What does it look like to steward our life well? Joshua had been entrusted by God through Moses to take the whole people of Israel and lead them forward across the Jordan River, and into the promised land. But once in the promised land, lead them also to establish themselves there. That that was where God wanted them. 
And that was what God had waiting for them. But it took someone to lead. It took someone to take charge. It took someone to step up in rank, if you will, and say, okay, I will lead and I will steward what you have given me for your glory, God. I love the story of Joshua. I've always been fascinated by it. There's so many different types of lessons and things we can learn from it. Today, we're going to look at it in the eyes of that one question. What does it look like to steward our dash well? And we're going to talk about four lessons today real quick on how what it looks like for someone to steward their life well. Those who steward their life well, number one, they count the cost. They count the cost. Look at it with me in chapter 2. Josh, verse 1 says, Joshua secretly set, sent out two spies from the Israelite camp. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there that night. Now, if you stop there, it sounds real bad. That's why you have to read, the, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. Look on at the end of that chapter. These two spies came down from the hill country. They They crossed the Jordan River and they reported back to Joshua all that had happened to them. And they said this, The Lord has given us the whole land, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. Joshua was trying to steward his responsibilities well for God. And part of that meant he knew he had to count the cost of what was ahead of him. So he sent two spies across and they counted the cost. They were looking into what was on the other side. What did they have to face? What was going on? What was the rapport of the people in the, in the town of Jericho? Their first battle station, their first battleground. And those spies were counting the cost. See, they were taking a risk even going across. And then it goes on that Rahab took a risk allowing them in Not for service, but for secrecy. See, she hid them away because word got around to the authorities that they said, two spies are over here and we believe they're in your room. Where are they at? And she was like, I don't know. I don't don't have a clue where they're at. Did you check here? Did you look there? Whatever it is. She hid them away. Then she secretly let them down through a window on the side of the wall and they went out and hid for a couple of days, and then came back and went, made their way back to Joshua, back across the Jordan, and gave that report. You see, Rahab ended up being the great-great-grandparent of King David. Now, you tell me how that makes sense. Here she is doing what she's doing, and she ends up becoming the great-great-grandparent of King David. And if you look in Matthew 1, you'll see her name listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. She counted the cost but she was willing to take the chance. And she gave the report to the spies. Everybody's scared. Everybody's freaked out. We've heard what your God can do, and we don't want any part. Whatever happens, uh, let's just make a treaty here. Let's make a, a covenant together that when you guys come in, keep me and my household safe. And they made that promise and kept that promise, and there were the rest is history. But they counted the cost. Oswald Chambers The author of a little devotional called My Upmost for His Highest says this, Our Lord never lays down the conditions of discipleship as the the conditions of salvation. So we are condemned to salvation through the cross of Christ, 
But discipleship has an option with it out of Luke 14. If you want to be my disciple, carry your cross, follow me. But don't begin until you count the cost. Counting the cost, ask these questions. What is the Lord asking of me right now? Consider that in your mind and in your heart before God today. What is the Lord asking of you today? And they ask this question, what must I bear? What must I sacrifice for the Lord? Counting the cost about our life, stewarding our life well, should bring us to moments in life to ask, what is God asking of me right now? What is He really asking me to sacrifice? What is He asking me to bear? What is He asking me to let go of in order that I may take hold of what He has for me? You see, the enemy would like to trick us and think, if you let go, then you won't have. But God's way of operation is when we let go... He has something already waiting for us to take hold of. But you must be willing to let go. And I believe there are some challenges by the Spirit today in our life. God is asking you to give something up. And if you'll give it up, God says, I will bring so much greater freedom in your life that you have never touched before. You've never tasted freedom like this but you got to be willing to give it up. Good stewards count the cost. Here's a second one. Those who steward their life well, their dash well, they construct memorials with their life. What do I, what do I mean by that? Let's look at this in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests were standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out, pile them up at the the place where you will camp tonight. Verse 6 says, we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across, and these stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Look on down to verse 21. Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future your children will ask you, What do these stones mean? You can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes. And he kept it dry until we were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea, when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this, God did this, so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God. Stones, he said. They will remind us of God's faithfulness. They will demonstrate God's power and they will point people to God, reminding us and letting us know and showing us that God did this. 
right? What do you need God to do in your life? What stones are there in your life that need to be pointed back to the remembrance of the hand of God in your life? There's a story I've read several times out of a book called Mondays with My Old Pastor. story goes like this. It was on a hot summer day that a little boy decided to go swimming in the lake behind his house. He went running out the back door, jumped off the dock, and bam, right into the river, or into the water he went, happily swimming, having a good old time. And he did not realize, though, that a crocodile was approaching. His mother from the house was looking out the window, saw with horror what was happening. She instantly ran out towards her son, shouting to him as loud as she could. Hearing her, the little boy got scared and frightened, and he turned around to try to swim back towards her to the dock, but it was just too late. From the dock, the mother grabbed the little boy by his arms just as the crocodile bit down on his little legs. The woman pulled on the boy's arms with all her strength. The crocodile was strong, but the mother was much more passionate, and her love gave her some supernatural strength. A man nearby heard the screams, ran over with a gun, and shot the crocodile several times. The little boy survived, and although his legs suffered a lot, he underwent several surgeries. He was able to walk again. And after he had come through the trauma, a newspaperman asked if he could see the little boy's legs and the scars that were there. And the boy lifted his bedspread and he showed those scars to the man. And seeing the the worried look on the newspaper man's face, he, with great pride, took off his T-shirt. And he said, pointing to his arms, he said, these are the scars that you need to see. These are the ones that my mother's fingernails left holding so tight to me so that the crocodile would not swallow me. He said, I have these scars because my mother wouldn't let go for a moment. She saved my life. Scars are symbolic also of stones. And the question is, what do your scars mean to you? What do your scars mean? What are you building with your life? What are we, what kind of life are we constructing? Are we constructing and building a life that reminds not only ourselves, but our children and our family and those around of the faithfulness of God? Are we building a life, constructing a life that demonstrates the power of God? Are we building a life, constructing a life that points people to God? or drags people away from God. See, a good steward of their dash lives to construct memorials with their life. Every battle you go through, every struggle you overcome and go through is a reminder that God is faithful, that God is with you, that His power is amazing, that His love for you is never-ending and that He wants to show Himself through your life, through your scars, to help remind and show people who God really is. Who did this? God did this. Who did this? God did this. What kind of life are we constructing? Number three. You guys with me? Good stewards. Steward their dash well. 
They do this. They consider the interest of others above their own self-interest. See, Joshua, they overcame Jericho. They went in, did what God said to do, to do the marching around. And then on the seventh day, marching around seven times, shouting when he said to shout, do all that. The walls came down. But here's some precursor to what he told them they needed to do once they went through this battle. Chapter 6, verse 17. He said, Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. Chapter 7, verse 1. Israel says, But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of the, these dedicated things, and so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan took it upon himself to live and make a decision based on his own self-interest rather than considering the interest of all his fellow men and families. He did a very selfish thing. What was taken was meant to be given as a sacrifice to God and as an offering to the Lord. And that's what God had asked him to do. If not, he said, it would not be well with you. And because of Achan's selfishness, Israel went on to lose their next battle to a small little town called Ai. A, I, I. Say it fast. I. In fact, they didn't even take but 3,000 soldiers, I believe. They had thousands upon thousands of warriors ready to go, and they looked at AI and they thought, ah, chump change. No sense in sending everybody out. Let's not worry, everybody. Give the guys a day off. We'll just take 3,000 and we'll lock them out. We'll be right back. Well, They got humiliated. Humiliated. God would not let them win that small battle because of what Achan did in the big battle that was just before that. He took something that didn't belong to him. In fact, God was saying, what what is there, you need to offer it to me first. Give me first. And because of his selfishness, They lost to Ai. They were humiliated. And it did not turn out well for Achan and his family. He and his entire family were stoned. They were burned and they were buried in a place called the Valley of Trouble. Pretty harsh. Let's look at the New Testament. What Paul writes in Philippians 2. Verse 3. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too, for you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I think a question we can all ask ourselves as we steward this dash of life that we have is this, how will what I'm doing 
how I'm living, how will it affect my family? How will it affect my friends? How will it affect my church? How will it affect my community? I dare say a lot of people live not thinking that way. I'm not sitting here telling you I think that way all the time, every day, about everything that I want. But I think it's a good practice, according to Scripture, that we need to consider, hey, how am I living? What am I doing? What kind of an effect does this have on those around me? May we think about that in our secret life. May we think about that in our public life. May we consider how we live, what we do, what kind of an impact does it have on other people. Certainly the gospel, certainly Jesus asks us to consider others above ourselves. And I believe that the more we find ourselves doing that, the more at peace we'll have inside. I'm not saying and suggesting that you only do that and you're good to go. I'm just merely suggesting us having that as a mixture in our daily life and how we live. Just think about it. Think about it. Think about it. The different interactions we have with those that we're closest to, the different interactions we have with those in our, in our community, the different things that we go about our day with, consider how we're thinking of them, consider how we're engaging with them. And I told you earlier, our New Life Kids lessons about kindness, man, brutal. Making me think about some things. I'm not a mean person. I don't think, am I, hon? Am I mean? No. I'm not a mean person. But sometimes I can say mean things. I know I'm probably the only person in this room that ever does that. But that lesson, those lessons on kindness, as I'm going through that with our kids, man, it's made me rethink a few things about my approach to those that I see throughout the day. I had a conversation late, and maybe been at the end of the week with someone, and we got to just chit-chatting about how's your week been, this or that. And they asked a little more detailed questions about what you what was good in your week this week? Because that's the typical answer we give, right? How are you? Good. We got to talk in a little bit more detail about life a little bit. And it struck me that they would take time to ask me how I'm doing and how my week has been. That meant a whole lot to me. For them to stop what they were doing and to consider asking me, with genuineness, what was, go- what was good in your week? And it got me thinking about the week and about all the wonderful different connecting points of how God was visible in my life because someone considered me over themselves at that moment. I want to be more like that. Anybody else? No? Okay. I'll take it. I want to be more like that. And lastly, talking about stewarding 
our life well. We count the cost. Consider the sacrifice God asks us to make. What are we building with our life? What's it look like? What's it pointing people to? What kind of shape is it taking? We're considering others first. Lastly, those who steward their dash well. They are careful to love the Lord their God well. Joshua 23, verse 1. The years passed. The Lord had given the people of Israel rest from all their enemies. And Joshua, who was now very old, called together all the elders, the leaders, the judges, and officers of Israel. And he said to them, I am now a very old man. You have seen everything the Lord your God has done for you during my lifetime. The Lord your God has fought for you against your enemies. In verse 11, he says, So be very careful to love the Lord your God. And he goes on in the next chapter in verse 15, famous verse, Joshua 24, 15. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Verse 29, after this, Joshua, son of Nun, that's N-U-N, not N-O-N-E. He had parents. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land that he had been allocated. And the people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and those who had personally experienced all that the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua's story in Joshua starts with, wherever your foot touches, the Lord says, it belongs to you. His story ended as, a, as he died saying he was a servant of the Lord. His dash. His dash looked like his words. His life looked like what he said. Be careful to love the Lord your God. It was evident. Joshua made that his, not only his declaration, 2415, serve the Lord, my family, that's what we're going to do. But he lived it as himself. He made it not only an anthem and a declaration, but that was his lifestyle. He lived loving the Lord his God with all of his heart, soul, and mind. That was his dash. Pretty, pretty great thing to say about someone who lived 110 years old. His dash wasn't silent. His dash spoke to who he was. And that brings us to ourselves today. What kind of sound will our dash make? What kind of sound is it making? And here's the great news about our God, is that if we come to Him, to His throne of grace, He gives mercy and grace in our time of help. That okay, you might have blew it yesterday, the last decade, or last, the first half of your, year, your life. Here's the great news about God. He's reaching out to you today. 
He's calling your name today. You didn't blow it. You didn't, you didn't mess up everything. He said, there is mercy and grace right here that I have for you. And you can start fresh and you can start new. That is the goodness of our God. So don't let the enemy beat you up. Don't let the enemy derail you and keep you back thinking, man, you've done too much. You, 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 you're in too deep to get out now. No, the devil is a liar. Jesus went deep when he died on the cross. He went deep when he was in the borrowed tomb. And he came out resurrected on top. In fact, that's what the scripture tells us. Is that God in Christ brings us closer to the Lord through his death. Because he was resurrected, made alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you and I have that advantage in our life today. That you may feel far from God. You may feel like you have let yourself down, let others down, let God down, or whatever the case may be. But God says you can start all over right here today. You can start fresh here today. Start brand new. God loves you and God forgives you. And God will pour out his grace on your life to help you live a transformed life. Live a different life. Live a life that will be stewarded in a way that honors the Lord. So whatever it is in our life, could be extreme, could be small. Whatever it is, you and I have going on in our life. Don't let your dash be silent. Let it speak to who you are in Christ. That you're willing to pray those bold prayers. God, what are you asking of me? What are you wanting me to sacrifice? What are you wanting me to release? What are you wanting me to give up? That you're, you're not going to hold on to it forever. You're willing to let God have it all. Let your dash speak to your life. That your story that your life, your scars remind you of His faithfulness. They demonstrate His power and they help point people to God. People ask you, what is that scar in your life? What's your story? And you can tell them, let me just tell you a second. God did this. Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Nobody can tell your story like you can. Nobody can give your testimony like you can. Amen? What has your dash got to say about your life? Can you stand with me? Be careful to love the Lord your God. If there's anything to be careful about, be careful about who you love. Make sure you're careful to love the Lord your God first with all your heart, soul, and mind. Be careful who you love. Your dash speaks to who you love. We're going to close with this song that we opened up with. It's a loud song. I feel like we need to get a little loud as we wrap up this morning as we sing this song fear of God I want to encourage you today if you have been challenged by the word of God and you know the Lord is speaking to you today and you want to accept what he's calling you to a higher level a higher rank a new position greater authority better stewardship of your dash 
I'm just going to encourage you. Sing this. Let it rip. And let's close out today.